Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Perth to Paisley podcast. I, one of your co-hosts Adam Kennedy, is delighted to say that my co-host and good friend Daniel McIver recently secured the opportunity to sit down with someone that we would consider a Heart of Midlothian legend. A man that survived the mad Vlad Romanov era, an initially flying winger and promising prospect and a key component in quite possibly the greatest victory the club has ever had, the 2012 Scottish Cup final demolition of Edinburgh rivals Hibs. Ladies and gentlemen, Perth to Paisley sits down with Andy Driver. We hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, as you just heard in the intro, I am delighted to be joined by Heart of Midlothian legend Andy Driver. Andy, how are you doing? I'm good. I don't, I'm not sure about the word legend. Oh, you are? Yeah, don't sell yourself short. Well, the, the thing is, if, you, if I become a legend, then there's probably about, how many on that day? 18 people. You can't have too many legends. Yeah, but on that day, it counts. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but the, 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 the real legend is probably Rudy. Like, he's the one you would say was a legend. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but you're a part of that as well. well that, we can have it in capitals and we'll just have it in normal. Okay, right? yeah, that's fine. That <laughs> yeah. sounds great. Um, so we were just speaking before we started recording, but delighted to hear that the COVID situation hasn't affected you too badly. No, we're all, all good here. Um, obviously, we had the lockdown and everything, which mm-hmm. sucked for a while, but we didn't have it near as bad as you's. I think yeah. we were probably locked down for a month and then we were able to go back out to restaurants. Wow. Um, but to be honest, it doesn't really bother me. I like staying in the house anyway. It's quite nice working from home and things, so. That's yeah. good, exactly with me. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Eh? <laughs> you get used to it. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting because before we start about the heart stuff, we got a lot of questions about your time in America. And uh, the first question was from Dave Richardson as he lived in Houston for a long time. How have you found it, like the switch initially and now you've been there for quite a while? Um, to be honest, I, I loved it. Um, like, and that's probably why we, that's why we moved back. There's loads of opportunity out here. Um, ask, you can ask Dave. Dave probably thinks the heat's horrendous, which it is. Yeah. And at this time of year, it's really bad. But no, it was great. And um, I think it was it was great because obviously playing at Hearts for a, while, a long time is a lot of attention, a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on the games and stuff. And it gave me the chance to come out in here and enjoy different aspects in your life and play football and just really enjoy it. So yeah, it was really, um, I loved coming out here and um, obviously wouldn't change anything because I met my wife and got my family yeah. and live out here now so it worked out to be a good move in the end absolutely and you touched on that the next question actually was from Dickie Moncrief from Barcelona and he wanted to know what are the key differences between American soccer fans and Scottish football fans <laughs> D- D- Dickie Moncrief from Barcelona is he a, was he born and, br- born and raised there <laughs> 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 I think he might have moved out there as well yeah um, no the, the difference with the fans well that's that's what I touched on, really, wasn't it? In, in Scotland, in, in, and we talked about this before, you go out in Edinburgh and um, you have Hearts fans, Hibs fans, and there's a lot of it. It's funny there's how much attention is there for, for a club like Hearts. You have the same amount of newspapers in Scotland as you do in England about a lot less teams. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of attention on you. Um, and I, I liked coming out here. Um, I think I got sick of that a little bit and I was mm-hmm. ready to... And obviously, there was quite a lot of attention for me when I was younger. And then we went through the Romanov, Romanov stage and there was a lot of attention on that. So it was nice to, to get away and play without pressure. The, the, and Houston's, I hate to be negative, but the Houston has good fans, but it's not, they're not filling the stadium or anything. And mm. um, there's less pressure. It's less intense as it is um, back home. You're kind of perfectly segueing to every single question, as if you know what I'm going to ask. That's because I talk too much. <laughs> That's perfect. So the next question was from Stuart Sanderson, who asked, what kind of level do you think the MLS can achieve, both from a fan perspective and just the actual quality in the league and American football in general? Um, in terms of the standard, when I played in the MLS, I think MLS was probably like 0.1. I think now it's probably like point three. Like right. the last five or six years, the standard is just raised and raised and raised. When when I was there, you you had the, you obviously had the stars like Thierry Henry and you had some really good older players, but now they're getting top Argentinian guys who are twenty yeah. twenty one. And um, I was watching the little tournament. They had like the MLS back is back tournament, mm-hmm. and those guys were pinging the ball around like it was proper. Um, it's, it's, it's the, the biggest problem with the MLS is that it's a difficult league because it's so the country's so big. 
Yeah. So you're traveling so much, it takes out of your legs. It's, it's very difficult. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's now like from when I played, it's two times better. It's improving every wow. year. That's, that's really good to hear. Um, we will now move on to what a lot of people will want to hear about. <laughs> the, um, the, your time in Scotland early on, uh, I want to touch on the Hutchie Vale because obviously it's kind of the biggest boys club in terms of the amount of talent it's produced is unbelievable yeah. when you think of the population of Scotland in that one club. What was that like um, in terms of getting you ready for Hearts? It's, you know, it's funny you ask that question because on that conversation, I was just um, obviously I'm commentating with the Las Vegas Lights and they're playing Phoenix Rising at the weekend. And I, I just was on Wikipedia and the guy, Sam Stanton, is playing for them. He's oh, wow. Them. Yeah. And I, on Wikipedia, he was a Hutchie Vale boy as well. Oh, wow. And I think it shows you, like, the quality of players that Hutchie brings through. Mm-hmm. Uh, big Les uh, Trotter, who's a legend in Edinburgh football. Yeah. Um, it's just such a great club. And I still periodically get an email from him. And um, But I think... Like even when we were playing, is it it's Lovian Thistle now? Is it is it not yeah. Hutchie anymore? Yeah, Lovian. Change the name. Um, but we had when we when I was young playing there, you had Salvi, um, Hutchie, Adina Hibbs, and then Tiny Hearts. Yeah, and and then sometimes Leaf Athletic, um, and those five teams were were good. But it's mm-hmm. funny, like it was like the the best players from those two teams went into like the Hearts and the 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 Hibbs teams. Yeah, so you like the standard was quality. And then, as you say, in 2003, you moved from Hutchville to Hearts. What was the time in the youth team like? Because obviously, when you look at that class of Hearts in that time, you were about to go into a squad that was doing incredibly well. Did you find there was a massive step up from Hutchie? Or, as you say, because you seemed to be playing with those boys at the other clubs, was it kind of just a natural progression? Um, I don't know. I think when I first started playing... Well, the biggest thing is when I came up from England and you went to Hutchie, it was like when in England, I was born in November. So it was September to September. Mm-hmm. So I went to Hutchie and I think I struggled for a while because the boys were older, they were bigger. Ah, right, and the okay. standard was probably better than what I was used to down south. Mm-hmm. And then it was pretty similar when I went to Hearts. I, I think I probably got signed to Hearts because someone probably watched me and thought, that guy's really fast. Maybe we can, maybe we because I don't think I had the best ability, but like maybe we can transform him into just something keep getting them running That's <laughs> yeah, yeah just just running um but and but our hearts team that we went into in the youth team was quality like mm. and when you've got a good team um i think you get a little bit luckier like if you look at what we did we went on to win the milk cup we won the foil yeah. cup we went to italy so we're beating teams like man city's arsenal's man united's and things like that so and i think i don't i, I tried to do it the other day i think count how many guys went to first team football and mm-hmm. there must have been a good five six seven uh, yeah absolutely um so then you spent three years there and then in 2006 you go on the austria pre-season tour when did you find out you were going to be involved in that or was it kind of just a natural thing that you were expecting to go on or was it a sudden like oh god i'm going with the first team pre-season you make me feel so old when you say 2006 i was a uh, Nine that was, years that was, old. Yeah, that was with Jankowskis. But I, yeah. I'd, I'd gone on, I'd gone on the preseason tour to Vancouver like two years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was when I first started getting little glimpses, and then I was injured. <laughs> Shock horror! That's <laughs> going to be a long theme around this. I was injured for like a year after it, and then I think it was the end of the next year that I started to get. I was like, I was getting a little bit closer mm-hmm. uh, to the team, and then I think, I think there was a few of the young guys went out to Austria, and that was that. Was, like, and that's what I say about being lucky again. It, w- I managed to come into a, a Hearts team when you had the likes of Rudy, Jankowskis, yeah. um, you could Elvis at the back. You go through Fisas was there. Yeah, it kind of makes it a little bit easier, doesn't it, when you're yeah. going in a preseason friendly with like the quality that you have there. Absolutely. Well, that's what that's what's so interesting because obviously this just before that preseason tour was when we won the cup against Gretna, and you look at that starting eleven and go. That's arguably the best starting eleven in my lifetime and a oh, lot yeah. of lifetimes. You say that, and um, I know Romanov gets a lot of negative press, and um, you kind of put the club at threat and everything. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the football that Hearts fans got to watch for a few years, even yeah. if it was wasn't within their means and everything, like they were quality, right? And they had some top players. So, because like Faisis had just won the Euros when he came, yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> like it was like when you had people like Bednar and things who were like yeah. like had a lot of potential and they went on to play down in England really well. So mm-hmm. yeah, like and as a young person getting to come into that, you kind of like there's one thing about football is the better players you play with, the easier it is, and the more you'll stand out. It's like a the, the circle, isn't it? Well, you say that because you started all three friendlies and you contributed four goals in that time. At that point, are you starting to think, oh, I could start getting featured in the first team? Or are you just kind of focused being like, I'm just playing my football, whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I was more of the second. Like, I, I was never this kind of person who was like, oh, I need to do this, this, this and this. Mm-hmm. I was just, well, I think I, think I was. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really remember. It's a long time ago. But no, we just enjoyed it. And it but the thing is, it was like a natural progression for us because we were all... Um, there's a lot of the young guys that came through together. Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing I can say in my career was when, when it was, I was up against it or there was a challenge, I was always better. I feel like I was always better in bigger mm-hmm. games. Um, I think my biggest problem was when I got too comfortable, um, I probably didn't perform as much when there wasn't as much pressure on. So I think I enjoyed that kind of pressure. And it's, it's a lot of it's down to luck, isn't it? Scoring, scoring on your debut mm-hmm. and um, getting a chance. But, no, like I never was really like I need to do this, this, and this. It was just, just happened really. Well, again, your perfect segues. We move into your debut against Inverness. You replace Neil McCann, and within four minutes, you score <laughs> a fantastic. It's not even like it's a tapping. Like it's a really good finish. When did yeah. you know you were going to be in the squad? Never mind that you were going to be making an appearance. I can't really remember on that one. Um, I can't remember the, the Inverness game. I can remember when I was in the squad. Um, a couple of years earlier when we were playing Mublo in the last game of the season mm-hmm. it's actually quite a funny story because it was the last day of school so me and my mates <laughs> me and my mates had gone and spent like 50 quid on um, a few beers and we were at the park and I got a phone call and I was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was the gaffer it was Craig Levine saying yeah you're in the squad tomorrow you need to come up so I was like that's, that's not- someone you don't want to know that you're currently drinking no. at <laughs> Not that I condone it, I do not condone it, and we had nothing better to do in those days. <laughs> Play football, and we, we did, in my defence, we did have a ball with us. Okay, so we were totally having a kick around. <laughs> um, so I remember that. I don't really remember the Inverness game, but I, I always say that I've got it's to Because you were drunk. Is that what uh, the situation was? No, no. <laughs> I hope that's not a theme that carried on through my screen. I might answer a few questions. Um, um, no, I always, thank, I always thank big Ross Tokely for that. <laughs> because he, he's, he headed one up in the air and it just landed mm-hmm. perfectly for me, didn't it? Yeah. So he, um, he's to, I can thank him for the rest of my career, I think. Um, <laughs> well, you say that and we move into the next kind of year or so and you just seem to score good goals. So I've got written down here, the goal against Inverness, your free kick against Celtic on the last game of the season, then your goal against Falkirk where you just ran through everybody, it seemed, and you scored a bizarre volley from the edge of the box against Gretna. How did it come to be that you just always scored good goals whenever you scored? And this might be a problem as well. If you like, I've got a, my my dad made like a highlight video years ago and put it on YouTube. That's the and one I watched if, ahead if you, of this. Yeah, if you watch it, all of my goals, other than the Falkirk one, mm-hmm. all of them were um, like first time finishes. Yeah. So I don't know if that says I didn't have the composure whenever I had the ball more often <laughs> or like I, I worked better off reactions. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> but most of, most of my goals, bar a couple, came from first-time first finishes. So maybe looking back, I should have probably practiced on taking a touch and maybe shooting after that. But <laughs> or just a few of my mates as well have always said, you, you, I'm, the luckiest, I'm the luckiest bastard ever. So first-time one's usually a lucky hit, isn't it? But that just shows that you've got fantastic technique that you don't need to take the time. You're just so confident in yourself that you can just hit it top corner every time. That's, that's been, that's been um, complimentary, isn't it? I'd, I'd more worry about the, the weakness of not being able to take it. <laughs> it's funny you say that, actually. In my last season, um, one of, when I was in the Netherlands, one of the guys turned up to me and was like, what, have you never worked at like, taking a touch and faking a shot and then going around someone shooting? I'm like... Uh, maybe I should start working on that and then I retired six months later <laughs> if someone had told me if someone had told me five years earlier it could have been different couldn't it well it's interesting because we've got the next question is from at the shirt collect one 
this is a, such a specific question that I felt I had to include it because we're speaking about the players you're involved with and the type of goals you scored. The question that we have here is, what was Larry Kingston like to play with? It's a very specific individual, but the reason it was asked is because uh, the individual asking was saying that at international level, he seemed to just light everything up. Whereas at club level, he would either have games where he would light everything up and just walk through games or other games where you'd be like, is that actually Larry Kingston or is that someone else? So I think probably Larry was the best player I played with at Hearts out of all of them. Wow. Like he, had, he had so much ability. Um, he, he, you know, he used to nutmeg me every day in training and that's no word of a lie. But it wasn't like the traditional nutmeg. It was he used to roll it. Do you know like when they roll it? Yeah. Through? Wow. Like, so he'd, he'd be running a pace at you. You'd come to press him down and he'd still have the ability to roll it through your legs at all the time. He had so much ability. Um, wow. Well, the, the, the best story with Larry is, um, so the question mark was is how old it was he when he came to heart. Um, so he was 27 at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember we were in the, the physio room. I was like, hey, Larry, how old, how old is your eldest son? And he's like, 15. I was like, okay. I was like, how old were you when you had him? He's like, 17. I was like, Larry, that makes you 32. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, is, he, is he serious? <laughs> that might tell a story. Because, yeah, like at the time, it, he did seem like he was maybe winding down a little bit. He'd achieved so much by the time he came yeah. to like, But in all seriousness, though, he had so much ability. And he was, he was a wee bit, he had aggression as well. Maybe he was a little yeah. bit, when he was on it as well, like he could really, he could turn it on. That's so interesting, because a question that I was going to save till the end, but you've kind of answered it there. Lewis Gulland asked, the best player you played with at Hearts, and everybody replied to that saying, it's obviously going to be Rudy. So is it actually Kingston over Scatchel? Ability-wise, mm-hmm. yeah, ability-wise, of course, but Rudy's obviously... Probably the best player. Yeah, Rudy just didn't do anything apart from just amazingly yeah. hit it. He just that, that's what was else. funny as well, because Rudy a lot of the time played um, in my position, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and you'd be sat on the bench and you'd be like, this guy's doing nothing. Like, I should be playing today. He's doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, out of nowhere, he hit a 30-yard screamer. And then, 10 minutes later, get another. And you're just like, well... Uh, <laughs> and that's all Hearts fans remember as well we just remember the goals we don't remember you running up and down channels making chances we just remember him hitting those goals and he's a legend immediately exactly but that's what football is all about isn't it if yeah. you don't have those guys and I think that with Paolo Paolo found the position perfect position for him was like in the hole wasn't it so he didn't really need to do anything else he just needed to get in the right position literally but, just sit on the edge of the box and move along that line for 90 minutes and that's yeah. it well, you talk about my goals being first-timers. Have you ever seen anyone who just bashes it as oh, hard no. as he does constantly? It's un- I, I, I'm, convinced, I'm convinced he'd still be able to play and still score yeah. goals. Even- I heard a story that apparently in training, when yous would all finish, he would just get people to stand behind a goal and near a goal, and he would just hit shots into the empty net because he just wanted to keep trying to hit the target. Yeah. You know, you know what I think he, he reminds me of? He loved ice hockey, didn't he? He reminds mm-hmm. me of like an ice hockey player. The way he played, the way he ran and everything. He was like stocky and powerful and just yeah. hammering it all the time. Maybe that had something to do with the style of play he was. Yeah, definitely. Well, throughout this time, you start to become a mainstay of the team. And at this point, this sounds like I'm just trying to be complimentary. You became my favourite player at the club. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I suppose one person had to do it. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting because, so you became my favourite player at the club and then I kind of feel responsible. We'll get into it in a wee bit with your injury because the day before you got your bad injury, I got your name on the back of my shirt. <laughs> so, so it's you I can blame. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, well, th- things were going well and I, like we had a good team, didn't we? And we were starting to do well. and um, Yeah, maybe the injury slowed me down a little bit. Um, so, I, so I can thank you for that, can't I? Yeah. What, what year was that around? When I was number eleven. Yeah. So it was kind of. I can see it, on the internet it says that you got your major injury in November two thousand and nine, and I got your top literally the day. I think we played St Johnston where you got taken off, and that was when your injury started. And 
I literally think it was the Friday before my dad <laughs> took me to Town Castle and we got the top printed. We'd been waiting for months to get it printed. <laughs> oh, Christ. No, but, the, the injury was weird as well, though, because it wasn't like something that happened all, all, like straight away. Mm-hmm. It was just like a constant thing. And it was like for, for years, I was only... At one point, I could only train like one day a week, and then I was still playing, mm-hmm. and it just it just wouldn't go away. So we had to do something about it eventually. But in hindsight, as I got older, I started to realize how to um, look after your body more. And I right. don't think I would have had those injuries had I known had more experience yeah. than I did when I was like twenty eight. If I had then, and you never know, things would have been different, wouldn't they? But like that's that's the the problem with football, mm-hmm. and that's why I always don't understand why people give them so much trouble all the time is they're 21 or in the, and they're in the prime whereas most people get to 28 and that's when they're starting to get into their career and things so footballers have to make the mistakes but a lot of people don't get lucky to make those mistakes by the time they've made them they're out of the game so yeah that's that's the problem with football and being a footballer well, that's the thing between November 2009 and January 2011 you played four games what was that time like? Really? Oh, yeah. I, like, didn't know, I didn't know it was that little. Yeah, four games, and two of them were sub-appearances as well. Yeah, I think one of them, that's because I came back once and then we played a semi-final and I played, <laughs> I think it was uh, the League Cup on that horrible yep. pitch at Motherwell. Yep, Turned up was. for 120 minutes and then disappeared again for six months. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was that like mentally as well? Because, of course, players get hurt. And as you say, it can completely derail their careers at times. It can make them kind of think about their careers. But for such a long time, what was your thought process during that time? Do you know what, though? Like, I'm going to probably say a different answer to what most people will say. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, obviously it would, it would disappoint him. And the the most disappointing time is when you do it. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember, I was living in Edinburgh with all my mates. I was earning good money. Um, it's frustrating, and and work like the doing the rehab sucks, and it mm-hmm. like the days are long and the the rubbish. But I was having a great time. I had good mates. I was living in Edinburgh. It was <laughs> the worst things that could be happening. Wasn't it? And I think I think in those periods, it probably this again probably didn't help my career, but I'll. I came, started playing first team young and you have to be a little bit more professional and things. I actually got to enjoy myself a little bit. Yeah. And so, like, I'm telling you, I wouldn't change anything that happened in my career. You could have said, like, you'd end up playing in the Premier League and do this, mm-hmm. do that. It might not have been for me. I, like, you may, as a person, a person you might be different, your attitude might be different, everything. Everything's worked out perfectly for me. So, yeah, um, it, it, a lot of people find that difficult, but... For me, I feel like there's a lot more to life than football, if that makes sense. And yeah. I, it was an opportunity for me to, to do that. Well, to focus on a more positive aspect, the main question that we got, apart from the game that we'll go on to speak about, the main <laughs> question that we got was the summer of 2008, you were embroiled in all transfer news possible. So my co-host Adam asked, how close were you to leaving Hearts in that summer? Um, I think, so I, I did go down to Burnley and have a look around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, seemed like it was happening. I think, so what happened is I got told on like a Thursday that they'd made a, they did, um, accepted an offer. Um, and then the next morning Vlad had like doubled the price or something. <laughs> so <laughs> that does not through. surprise me. <laughs> yeah. But to be honest, even that, like the, the, all the money was thrown out there. My knee was already giving me bother by then. Right. So it's like it could have happened, but would it have? Would it have? Would I have been able to fulfil my potential? Would would it like? It's all ifs and buts, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And like, I was never for a minute pissed off that it never went through because it probably maybe wasn't the right time anyway. And well, and and I was at Hearts, and mm-hmm. I feel like. If you speak to an English person, they wouldn't understand that answer. But when at Hearts you're playing for a big club, you're getting a lot of attention. There were still opportunities, even if it didn't go through. If I if I turned around and kept performing, something would have happened eventually because you're still mm-hmm. playing for a massive club. 
Well, uh, question from Graham McIver was, in your experience, when phase, players are going through that, where you're being linked with massive clubs, like Burnley is a massive club, and down there, do you think that it affects players mentally? Like, um, were you able to just carry on as normal as you say that you were thinking, it's not a central, I'd go down there? Or did you kind of have your head turned in a positive way that is totally understandable of going, oh, I could go down there and it would change my career in a different way? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a question that's easier to answer now mm-hmm. than at the time because at the time you've got ambitions and obviously you want to go. Now looking back, well, and I, I don't think it affected me that much. There's probably, there was probably occasions at the time where you'd go and train and you hated it or the manager criticised you and you're just like, ah, F this, I'd rather be in, I, I could be doing this, I could be doing that. Yeah. So maybe your ego got away from you a little bit at times. And well, that probably happened a lot, but I can. I think I, can, I don't think I can ever say with hearts there was ever any time where I was unhappy, other than the one time when Paolo Sergio dropped me. That was the only time yeah. where I ever really spoke out of criticism of the club and that I wasn't happy. Um, and that's because I just wasn't getting a chance, and I was starting to get pissed off. And that, that's an ego thing as well, because you, you, I was at the club and I was expected to play for so long when a new manager came in and says, "Well, you're not gonna anymore." It's probably the best thing that happened because I ended up getting my finger out and played fairly well towards the end of the season. So well, I was about to ask you about that because I remember that happened and it became public knowledge. I remember the evening news ran a big back piece about how drivers furious about the entire situation. That's what we talk about though in Scotland at Hearts. You get all that attention. You you yeah. don't get that in other places. Um, um, but it was quite interesting because I, I remember at the time fans were very much on your side. Um, fans were very much like new manager coming in, clubs currently going through a mental period with Romanov. Did you ever feel that the fans were on your side or did you ever notice? And then when you kicked on and played really well in that second half of the season, did you feel that was reciprocated by the fans? I always thought I had a pretty good relationship with the fans anyway. Mm-hmm. I think, um, obviously, us all coming through the youth team, we it's, it's, Ed, it's hearts isn't it it's Edinburgh you know these people and we're there that long you speak to all of the fans all the time I feel like the one thing and I got asked this today actually is the one thing you can be proud of and I think one thing that I was proud of is that I didn't let football really change me I was always open with the fans I always spoke to them I feel like I always worked hard I think one of the, the, the one criticism fans could probably have of me is that I'd maybe didn't win any 50-50s at times. <laughs> I probably went out with a few of them. They probably called me weak a little bit. But I felt like I always tried when I was playing for the club and things. And I, obviously, you're always going to have fans who think you're not very good and things. But mm. I, in, on a whole, I think even now, I still felt like I had a good relationship with the fans. And um, yeah, you, and I, I always knew that. You always knew. Um, you knew when they was going to start getting on your back. But um as a whole, I think the, the, the fans always did back me anyway. Well, we'll now move on to the times where fans are either the most judgmental or the most complimentary. We'll move on to the Hibs games, and in particular that Hibs game. However, in your career for Hearts, you played 17 times against Hibs, and you only lost four. Oof. And in that time, you got two goals and two assists. What were the derbies like in general? Because obviously, from a fan's point of view, I know what they're like, but from a player's... Apparently, I'm thinking really? now though that might, yeah, that is wrong, yeah. No, let me think. Yeah, three goals. I scored one at, I scored two at Tyne Castle and then yeah, one at one Easter Road. Yeah, he did. Get your facts straight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, this is shocking. This is shocking. <laughs> but what were they like as a player? Oh, the best. I just love the Hibs games. The Hibs games, I, I, I preferred the Hibs games at, um, at Easter Road because there's way less pressure. The, the ones at <laughs> Tynecastle were hard. Uh, of the defeats, the only one I can remember is um, the one at home when Ryden scored the penalty. Yeah, I think it was 1-0. One nil. Nil. Yeah. Because I think I, I had a horrendous game that day and I think I was really let down. A few, maybe the other times I maybe didn't play as bad. But the Hibs games is always the ones I was up for. And that's what I was saying before. It's like I always liked the challenge, and like there was no hiding in Hibs games, so you had to perform. Yeah. I was, you became king, didn't you? <laughs> so, four, four defeats in 17 is not too bad. I was about to say, and there's only one or two draws as well. It's predominantly wins. Yeah, well, we, <laughs> I hate when we, everyone start, we start going on about, oh, we, we were dominant and things. But 
there was there was a long time where um, we did do quite well. And actually, it's quite funny. I feel like I never really got any crap off the the hips fans neither because I tried not to play up to a lot. Like I yeah. always tried to just get on with it and be respectful of that kind of thing. Because you know, some people like Blackie likes winding them up. Oh yeah, which which gets the Hearts fans on even more, but. It's not worth it if you want to go for a pint on a Saturday yeah, night. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first question about this game is from at HMFC Argentina. Just before we go into the inner workings of it, overall, how does it feel to win the biggest derby in the history of the two clubs and you win a trophy at the end of it? Uh, I don't even know if you can describe that day. It's like you look back on it now and it's kind of a bit of a blur. Mm-hmm. Um it's as if did it happen, but oh yeah, it was, it was. It's just a memory of being so nervous going into it, and then just the celebrations afterwards. It was. Um, it's like it's the best thing, and it's, it's what I've, I said numerous times as well. With this, is it really ended my heart's career when it when it was going to come to an end. Everything with everything Vlad was happening with Vlad and everything. So to go out like that was like. At least I'll always look back and say, at least we achieved something when we, before we left the club. So, no, it was it's hard to it's hard to describe, isn't it? This this is my question for you. Mm-hmm. Which is better, '98 or the Hibs game? Well, so this is the thing. I get asked this a lot because I was so in my lifetime, Hearts have won three Scottish Cups. In my dad's lifetime, Hearts have won three Scottish Cups. Yeah. <laughs> so I was only nine months old when we won in 98. Right, so, so you that you can't say that one then. Yeah, I get why people say it because obviously yeah. the time we, we took, the Rangers team we came up against was unbelievable. But for me, it is that 2012 one because the Gretna one was amazing. It was my first one and everything like that. But just everything leading into it and then the way it turned out, it yeah. literally couldn't have been any better. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, it's, I, I can see where people are coming from, but it's like, how 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 can you beat being hit five one exactly. in the final? Exactly. But yeah, that's it. That's I bet that people can talk about that for days. Yeah, it's interesting. You said that. I was going to ask. You said there you uh, felt quite nervous. Did you feel the squad was nervous going into it, or confident? Because I remember listening to a Guy Lock interview where he said that Paolo was quite calm with the games, where he was like, just tweet this like it's every other game like we've got this whereas Lockie would come in and you'd be like but we have to win this like, yeah, yeah, he's like no no you don't realise we've got to win this um, I was nervous right um, I was really nervous and I did it got to at that stage I wasn't really nervous about playing anymore um, but that game just had that extra edge I remember like the night before I struggled to get to sleep and stuff like that um, you were like every but, Hearts fan <laughs> yeah but if you if you look back on it there was only ever going to be one team to win it. Like we had a good team and like Paolo had us playing well at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once we got like, we... yeah, he still had nightmares though, didn't you? I remember being in the kit room when Hibs won um, their quarter, their semi-final mm-hmm. and it was the day before we played Celtic. Yep. And it's kind of like, we went into the Celtic game and it's kind of like, Christ, we, if we win this, <laughs> like it's, this is going to be ridiculous. So I think, I think winning that, that Celtic game, I enjoyed the win in that game probably more than the Hibs win just because you knew we had a great chance and it was ah, going to be the occasion. Okay. And that Celtic game was just something else, wasn't it? The last minute winner and thing. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't look at Beats' penalty. I was in the stand and I just couldn't take it. So I turned yeah. around and I just saw everybody detonate and I turned around and I saw him do the beat as he ran. If you, if you think about it, that game gets un- overshadowed, right? Yeah, definitely. Like the Hibs game, we, the game was over after 45 minutes and it was like celebrating. But if you think about like the pure emotion of winning that semi-final with what was at stake in the final, yeah. then like that, that game really gets overshadowed. Absolutely. Well, one thing that has come up everywhere whenever I've asked for questions about this is your individual performance because the three players that Hearts fans seem to automatically speak to about when talking about this game is Rudy for his two goals, Ian Black for his man of the match performance, and you having Matt Doherty in your back pocket the entire <laughs> game. So we had loads of questions from um, the two main ones were from Ekinowskis and Hearts shirt collector. What were your thoughts on your individual performance and how you handled Matt Doherty? Um. 
you got to remember at the time, Matt Doherty was a little young guy on loan. <laughs> so yeah. it, wasn't as if, it wasn't as if he was playing in the Champions League with Wolves at the time. <laughs> but um, so now, like, I've said that like, most of my best performances came in the bigger game. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I always needed something to play for. And I got into that game. Like, you can even ask people like Lockie on this. Like, I got myself mm-hmm. in top shape. I always needed to be in real shape. I've got like the problem for me is I can put weight on really easy and I need to be fit to play well because I need to be fast and I need to be up and down. <laughs> and I think I got myself into good shape for that game. But like I was just more relieved. Like it was one of those games where you knocked it past someone and you, there was no way they were going to catch you. So everything mm-hmm. that happened to me, like happened in that game went right for me. And obviously it would have meant nothing if we didn't win the game. But yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's laugh. We did that uh, reunion thing with mm-hmm. big hearts the other month and he's yeah. like do you think Matt Doherty's lost any sleep over that <laughs> ever I, I finished the game thinking we'd never hear from him again and then next thing I'm like this guy's <laughs> doing quality well I was just about that I was about to ask you go off that pitch do you think he's going to have the career he goes on to or are you thinking that's it I've done him here uh, well you think you think you've, that's it you've done him haven't you but yeah. um, he's, he was a young guy and he was he was playing in a it's been what we say if you're in a good team with good players, it's easier, isn't it? <laughs> like he was playing like they were, they were so disjointed, and he yeah. like he was probably one of those guys that was disjointed. Mm-hmm. But fair play to him, he's done well. I don't think he's worrying about it, is he? <laughs> I think he is. I think he is. That's why Wolves <laughs> yeah. got knocked out by Sevilla. He was running, going, "Oh, I'm getting flashbacks to 2012." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. It'll always be there, won't it? Exactly. But you went on to win the Champions League, Matt, but. Do you remember the cup final? <laughs> <laughs> that is all. It does. He could do any. He could win the Ballon d'Or, and Hearts fans would stand beside your foot or your face just yeah. to remember him. Well, that was good. That was, it was a good day, though. It all, all around was good. I remember yeah. that game and like getting subbed off, and I remember running around like just saying, "Danny, give me the ball," because <laughs> I'm going off and I'm not going to get to touch it again. <laughs> The next question is, funnily enough, speaking about Hibs players as well, from HMFC 1874 Shadow. Is there any stories you have that, was there any banter between you and the, you guys and the Hibs team, either before, during or after the game? Because in that Big Hearts thing you were saying about, Elliot spoke about how he was being marked by James McPake and he heard McPake just insulting his own teammates and saying that, oh, we've lost this and it was at nil-nil. Did you get that impression from Hibs players as well? Were you just like, we've got this? Um, getting the build up to it so it's quite funny when we played for Hearts you'd think because we were all footballers in the same city you'd know a lot of, know each other mm-hmm. and things but we had like a big divide um, okay. when we were there like other than people like Louis Stevenson who'd been there for ages and yeah. there was a few Edinburgh boys like you knew and like I respect him he's a, he's a sound lad and stuff we didn't really know um, many of them so there was never anything on the build up but it's funny, there was always like a divide a little bit, like the Hibs players were a bit more prima donna, weren't they? And we, yeah. like they played the nice football and things and we were just boring hearts. So, um, but like, I think that played into the final. You saw that we were like more workman-like and we, we wanted it more. It meant, it, I feel like it meant more. I feel like we had a good relationship with the club and the fans yeah. and the players really wanted it. We'd been through a lot. And then you could see from them, they were a team that had been thrown together to a big club, at the end of the day, Hibs is a big club, but they hadn't had the time to gel. They maybe didn't know as much as how much it meant for the for the, the players. And it'd been a, a little while for Hibs were like that at that time. They, they hadn't been, they hadn't, like, they hadn't done what they did for the few years after that cup final when they went obviously went on and won it, did they? So they, they hadn't been as successful as, as they have been in the last few years. It's interesting because I, I literally just a few hours ago watched the new Gary O'Connor documentary that's come out. And they, they obviously ask him about that. And he's, he very much echoes what you just said. He felt that him and Griffiths knew what it meant because Griffiths, Hibs fan, O'Connor, Hibs fan. But he felt that the other players just didn't really know what it meant. And that as soon as they went out into the tunnel, they were like, we, we've yeah. got no chance here. <laughs> yeah, it's, funny. it's funny how football can be like that because if you asked anyone before the game, they would they everyone would have said, Hearts are potentially the better team. But... Mm-hmm. It's a derby, isn't it? So yeah. for them to just not turn up that day. But it's, it's, I think at the time as well, it, a lot can be said about keeping teams together for a long time. 
Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of guys that had been there together, had been there and seen that. And we had, and we had people like Webby who'd come back the second bit of the club. They, they had a lot of, we have, we have a lot of relationships and a lot, a lot riding on it in <laughs> Edinburgh, didn't we? So you couldn't be, you couldn't be seen to do that. Whereas a lot of those guys may potentially have been able to just get back down to England and not worry about yeah. it again. Well, it's interesting as we speak about how I kind of caused your injury. I have a suspicion that my little brother caused you to play even better because he snubbed you the week before the cup final as we were at the St. Johnston game and I got a photo of you and got a signature and my wee brother who was seven, my dad turns to him and goes, do you want a photo of Andy Driver? Yeah, nah. And he just goes, nah. And he <laughs> well, we bastard. Exactly. Uh, it probably wouldn't be the first time that happened. <laughs> He saw Rudy and he got a photo with Rudy and that was it. Those things used to be so awkward when you do that because it could be devastating. You know, you'd go and do like the, the signing sessions. Yeah. And like a kid would get a picture with everyone as they go along the line and then they come to you and they'd be like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just go F myself. <laughs> well, I was always that kid who was just like, yes, Andy Driver's there. I'll get it. Oh, his knees just broken i'm the cause of it i'll just stay away from yeah it. you it was your um your fault your fault yeah definitely <laughs> but to be fair it's seven year old by that time what what year did we win it 2013 my Good best question. years my best years were probably 2009 through to like 2000 yeah. yeah 2009 so the rest of it i probably played off with sparks here and there a little bit played off a better reputation in between <laughs> by the time he got you watching hearts games yeah he's like this guy's shite <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about you got that guy's shirt <laughs> i was just holding the shirt be like no i yeah, promise yeah. he was great when, when it was time for him to move in the show he's like i don't want it <laughs> <laughs> right. i've got a rudy one <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but what were the celebrations like the next day because that was my brother's birthday we, were, we came up to Edinburgh for the Open Top Parade and I remember going, you snubbed him. You held the cup in front of us. just so happened. Like, we went yeah. past on the bus and you held it. And my dad nudged my brother going, you could have got a photo of him. <laughs> um, so how old were you then then? So I was 15. 15. Um, ah, the celebrations were ridiculous. The night, the night of, it wasn't as much. I didn't, I didn't do as much the night of because by the time, like I was steaming drunk by, as soon as you have that champagne, you don't realize how drunk you are. You've just yeah. played 90 minutes. You're not, you're dehydrated. And then by the time we got to Tynecastle, you'd have been drinking on the bus. You've been celebrating. Uh, your voice is already gone. You're knackered. So I don't know. I don't think I waited that long. And then it was a bit crazy as well because Edinburgh was so buzzing that night. That what, yeah. To get a taxi home, the usual Edinburgh, you can't get a taxi home or anything. Um, should have, so I had to get taxi back to Leaf as well. There was plenty of taxis in Leaf. <laughs> there was loads waiting down there, but you can't get any <laughs> But I think the next day was the best. The next day was quality. Um, the whole meeting everyone in the morning, going to the stadium, um, like everyone hung over, telling stories the night before, and like just buzzing. And I, I remember like the celebrations. I think I was, I think I was cel- celebrated every day for the next month. I went, I, think I went to Thailand with my mates two weeks later. I'm lucky I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like close. every Hearts fan. And that was, that was the thing. It felt that the squad was so linked with the fans. It was like you knew what it meant to us as much as we did. Yeah, but I think if you go through the team, like if you, as well, like the year before, we'd gone through a lot. Like we mm-hmm. weren't getting paid. That brought the team together. But then you had a good group of lads. It wasn't as if like we had a like the 2018 was probably a better team in terms of like the quality of players. But they had a lot of foreigners. But then mm. the 2013 was basically a load of like you go through the team. Was it all Scottish? It's mostly yeah. Apart from like Zal Rudy. Apart from that, Zal doesn't, like, Zal doesn't count as being a foreigner because he was there that long. That's true. He was there for like eight years, like yeah, up to like, that point. Like by that, we played together eight years. That's mental, right? Yeah. So by that time, he's your mate, isn't he? It's not. He's not a foreigner. Definitely. Um, and who else? Who else was Rudy? Was there that long as well? He doesn't count. Yeah. Apart from that, it was just Scottish, and then McGowan, Australian. You and he, Ranger, he, English. He like. and, uh, yeah. <laughs> but he's been there. Granger's probably the only one, and I didn't know he'd only been there a year. 
and mm-hmm. sleeves as well. I didn't know that he'd Oh yeah, of course. It felt, yeah. it felt like it felt like they'd been there for ages. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like even Danny Granger now, I still speak to Danny. Like he's a good mate, but we probably only played together two years or something. That's crazy when you put it like that. And you, I, I, Danny Granger, you feel like he's the kind of person that was probably there three or four or five years, right? Yeah, that's cr- it. You just shows you it. how important that game is to the history of Hearts because as soon as you, you see the names, it's like, well, they're immediately legend. That's why I started this with going legend Andy Driver. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> well, just to wind down so I don't keep it too long, the main question that we got was how have you felt? about the situation with Hearts just now because obviously we're speaking about that amazing day and that was very much the high point of the last kind of almost decade really and with the COVID crisis that we started have you been keeping up to date with what's been going on with Hearts as much? Yeah. So I, I do I obviously Hearts is my team now and I, I like I'm Twitter my, all my Twitter feed still Hearts basically um, so I, I've kept up with it most. Obviously, I don't get up-to-date things as, as quickly. Mm-hmm. If I miss it, I miss it. Um, the thing that's crazy, like the whole situation is just absolutely bonkers to me. Um, how you can, the whole relegating a team before the end of a season is just nonsense. But I think that there's, there's so many problems with the whole way the SFA is set up and everything. There's so many problems throughout it. It's, it's like, I don't even know where to start. If you look <laughs> at places like, um, the Netherlands, right? So they didn't they didn't promote the graft at my old team, mm-hmm. but the the Ajaxes and the PSVs give money down to those lower leagues to compensate ah, okay. them for it. So if you look if you look at it, the, the the top teams give give money all the time, so they'll get in the Champions League and they'll pass money down to the ah. uh, the youth club, the youth club league teams. I think it's called the Cooking Division or something. Like that. Um, so they're all to get it together in it, whereas. The divide in Scotland, it, there's, there's no... And this whole thing this year with Aberdeen, the players getting COVID, the, the problem comes because there's no flexibility with anyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got to stop for a minute and say, listen, this is, this is ridiculous. If, anyone, if one team gets COVID, they're going to get it. Just cancel the game. And it's not like the fans are going to turn up, is it? Yeah. So, <laughs> like, what's the problem with <laughs> cancelling Aberdeen's games for a couple of weeks? But there's no problem. That it's going to have to happen. You're going to have to do it. And the way Hearts were treated, I, I, just, I just don't get it. I don't understand why that... And you can say it's bad for Hearts, but Partick Thistle... They're the true victims in all of this. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But like, what, what, why? And, and, it, and the thing with Scotland as well is, is you play the 12 games. I was happy to leave Scotland because you play the same teams all the time. Yeah. Um, they had a chance to do something different. And the, the lack of flexibility is, and everyone just doing what the, the big teams want to do is just ridiculous. Because at, at the end of the day, Celtic Rangers still run it, don't they? Mm-hmm. So the, the lack of flexibility of just saying, like, Rangers like one should have turned around for me, and I'll probably get a lot of stick for saying this, they should have turned around and said, no, this is what we're going to do. We'll, we'll give money to X, Y, and Z. Like, we'll, we'll, these teams that are in trouble in the bottom leagues, I'm not talking about Silicon Rangers giving money to Hearts or Hibs or anything. Yeah, like no, yeah, of course. Second and third division, maybe we'll, we'll help them pay the players' wages. We'll, we'll stop them from releasing people and stuff like that. We'll help out. But there was nothing like that. It was all, everyone just instantly went into their own camp and tried to. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I, I feel Hearts have had a lot of stick from it, a lot of thingy. But it's just, if you think about it, they, just, they really just tried to do what was obviously best for them, but the best for the there's surely had to be a bit of reason right yeah exactly <laughs> without going into it too much you can tell it pissed me off a little bit <laughs> but i think a lot of people will be happy here that you feel like that because it is always one of those things where you were here for so long and it is always great to just hear of a player who has been here for so long has become such a prominent member of its history that even not just leaving the club leaving the continent you're still yeah. as up to date and it is still your club that's amazing yeah, I think I think that'll always be the case, won't it? Um, but you've got to remember, it's like not only did Hearts and like they gave me a career, right? And I played there for so long, so you'd obviously support them. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't without Hearts, I wouldn't have been able to go and do what I did. I wouldn't have had my, met my family. By mm-hmm. Hearts were great when I left. They they encouraged me all the way. They were brilliant when they, I signed with the Dynamo. So they did so much for me. And I've got, and you've got to remember there's people at Hearts who are still there, probably like the likes of Claire Cowan, Gogsy the Kid. Yeah, man. absolutely. But like, 
I still know these people and it's, they're never going to change, are they? So that's, that's, um, that's the class is that kind of club where you're always going to have those relationships, aren't they? So um, it's the biggest part of my football career and I'll always be like, like that. Well, the final question, and I'll let you go, is from Ryan Heatherill. What's your favourite moment from your career? Well, that was a stupid question, wasn't it? <laughs> I thought I'd see if there was an interest in there's a bit obvious, isn't it? There's, 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 for me, there's two. Um, right. The cup final, obviously. Mm-hmm. Best, best achievement, biggest achievement for me. And the, the second one was playing for England in 21s. Because that was like a, a, a real achievement for someone who was young to be playing in Scotland, like to get in a team that got to the finals of the European Championship and play was, like, I think, was a good, a pretty good achievement. It, it showed the potential that I did have, and I did perform well that year. Um, and to be honest, I just don't know. I don't like. You can say things could have gone here, there, and there. I should have achieved this. I should have achieved that. But I, I wouldn't change anything, to be honest. Uh, maybe one, maybe one a little bit more. <laughs> and maybe not get relegated when I was at the grass shop that, that sucked oh, yeah, true. <laughs> but other than that I wouldn't change anything <laughs> well thank you so oh, and, and making millions of pounds I'd have changed yeah of that. course yeah of course <laughs> now we're on the subject <laughs> exactly anything else like is there anything you want to change <laughs> well thank you so much for your time mate I really appreciate it thank you everyone for listening I enjoyed it. It was good. It was good I'm speaking. I'm glad. I'm glad that despite I got the um, records wrong about your hips, which I'm ashamed for, three goals. Oh, you should be. You're not going London Hearts. You need to go in London Hearts. I did go in London Hearts. So someone's been slacking there, haven't they? Exactly. Was we'll one of them a cup game then, maybe? <gasps> that might have been it. And I just didn't filter by all competitions. Possibly. <laughs> And that's everything. A massive thank you to Andy Driver for agreeing to sit down with me. I hope you all agree. A really fascinating chat with him. Really a massive laugh. Um, We hope you enjoyed. Uh, From myself, Daniel, from Adam, my co-host who was in the intro, please give us a follow at Perth to Paisley on Twitter if you did enjoy it. If you want to get in contact with the show, it is perthtopaisley at gmail.com. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, a variety of other sites. If you did enjoy it, give us a review on your platform of choice. It's much appreciated. And we'll see you next time, guys. Bye-bye.